Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Lee. Welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. We got a great guest today, Dale Weiss. Played 10 years in the NHL. He's got four kids, so we dived into that today. Uh, he also coaches a few of them uh, in the game. And we got everything uh, down today from his journey to the NHL, being in the NHL, being a hockey dad, uh, and a lot of the skill sets that we really need to provide our kids as parents so they can be successful, not just in hockey, but in life. Uh, but before we get to it, we want to let you know that this episode is powered, sponsored, whatever the word is you want to use, by Hockey Wraparound. Uh, and we want to tell you about their new dry stick product for this season that you're already in. Uh, it's a portable equipment dryer. It attaches right to your hockey stick, which your kid has with them every game. Fits right in your bag. So uh helps to dry your gear, which helps with keeping the bacteria off, which helps to consolidate the gear. Uh, above all, just check it out. Do some research, learn about it, uh, and use OKPH on uh, HockeyWraparound.com for, uh, for a nice discount on any of their products, including the uh, Hockey Wraparound itself. But check it out, HockeyWraparound.com, HockeyWraparound.com, HockeyWraparound.com. Check out the dry stick uh, and help your kids out with uh, being a little more responsible with drying their equipment, right? We don't want to leave it on the floor. Anyway, that's a problem that, that I had growing up and not anymore. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey with Dale Weiss. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias with Mike Benelli, and we are privileged to have a former NHL player and now hockey dad, Dale Weiss, with us today. Many of you will know Dale from his time in the NHL, which spanned 10 seasons with the Rangers, Canucks, Canadiens, the Flyers, and he had a cup of coffee with the Blackhawks. Dale is also no stranger to international hockey, having played most recently in Sweden and in the Netherlands during the 2012-13 lockout. Check this out. His massive point production earned, earned him the nickname the Dutch Gretzky. Look forward to diving <laughs> in that for a moment today. But uh, above all, he's a loving father to his four kids, Hunter, Jordana, Jersey, and Hayes, and is a loving husband to his wife, Lauren. Dale, it's great to have you today. Welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Uh, you know, being a, uh, you know, coaching my kids now and everything. I'm a, I'm a fresh hockey dad right out of retirement, so I'm excited. I, wait, we're excited too. We always love the perspective that that someone in your position brings, and uh, we're definitely going to dive into your life as a hockey dad because I know the audience is excited about that. But typically, what we're more excited about <laughs> and what parents want to know is let's talk about your journey to the NHL real quick. Uh, from from juniors all the way all the way in like and, and here's the question look how hard was it to crack the league and and what do you feel made you successful along the way for those parents kind of sitting on the end of the bench right now like help me make my kid make it yeah I, I think I'm a, a great example 
for a lot of those parents because I was never the most talented guy. Um, you know, never the most skilled guy. I, I just outworked everybody. Um, that was always kind of my motto, which was driven to me from my parents uh, from a young age. Um, you know, you, you get in junior hockey and you work your way up. And by the time my third year came around, I was a top guy. And, and, you know, you score points and much, you know, in the American League, I think after having an NHL career and, and playing the role that I did in the NHL, I think a lot of people forget how good I was in the American League. You know, at 21 years old, I had 30 goals, 100 and some penalty minutes. I was fighting everybody. Um you know, so I, I got better every year, much like I did in the NHL. I started from the bottom and I, I kind of grinded my way up. Um, but I just say, I think there's no real roadmap for what got me there. I, I just think I continue to get better every year. I always believed I could do it probably more than anybody around me. Um, right. You know, you obviously have your close people around you, my parents and my wife and stuff like that. But uh, on the road there, you, you got to believe in yourself more than anybody else does. And uh you know, persistence and stay with it. I, I got cut. I got cut plenty of times in my life. I got cut uh, in junior. I got cut four times in the NHL before I made it. So, wow. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a long road, but you know, I, I always believed I would eventually get there. And, and when I got there, I'd find a way to carve out a niche. And, uh, and I, I was, you know, grateful enough to do it for, for just over 10 years. You know, one of the things I like to tap on when I asked this question and I took some notes from what you said is that, look, we always say this talent is, Obvious. You have to have talent to make that level. Like, right. You know, I'm talking to parents. If your kid has talent, that's great. But a lot of players have talent, right? So to really crack and as you said, from the AHL up to the NHL, there's some other things that you talked about self-confidence, right? And, and that's a question I always pose to, to parents in a positive way of what are you doing to help your kids build that? Right. Cause if you're constantly protecting them, if you're constantly, uh, you know, umbrelling over them, you know, they might not build that and you need, and, and that only comes through adversity, which brings me to the next word that, you know, comes to my head. You're talking about grit. I always worked harder than everybody else. I, I had this determination. I didn't give up, you know, where did those skills come from? Is that something your parents instilled in you? Did something happen in your youth where, you know, you kind of understood that, okay, these are skill sets that you apply to hockey. Yeah, definitely. That was instilled from my parents for sure. Um, you know, I come from a very blue collar family. Uh, both my parents worked full time. You know, we 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 were you know middle class, middle of the road people. Um, had enough. I I was happy as a kid, but my parents always instilled in me. You know, from the time I started playing hockey, if you're going to go and do something, you know, regardless if I'm asking you to do chores or you're doing hockey, whatever it is in life, you do it at the best of your ability and you you work as hard as you can. And that was I love that. The, something that always stuck with me. Um, and then I kind of, you know, transferred that into sports, whether I was playing soccer or baseball or hockey as a kid, right. If I was there, whether it was practice, a game, you know, playing in the backyard with my brother, I was doing it the best of my ability every single time I did it. And I think over time, you know, that's where your confidence comes from just continuing to do the right things and, and, you know, putting that extra work in all right. the time, regardless, you know, whether, I'm in my backyard screwing around my brother or, you know, I'm actually in a practice in a real thing. I think, you know, you get that confidence from consistency, doing it day in, day out, getting better. And, um, you know, as a parent, the, the best way you can do is, is, you know, and I do with my guys now is I, I try to shape working hard before anything. You know, I, I, I my oldest guy plays hockey and, and, the thing for me that I'm, I'm telling him all the time is, is, you know, okay, we had a bad game. He didn't score. He comes out, he's upset. Like any kid, oh, I didn't score. 
well, you did this right. You did this right. And that builds some confidence. He's like, wow, I never even thought that was something that you would be proud of. And that's kind of how you build that confidence from there. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I want to reiterate, I know we have a lot of parents that have emailed us and say, hey, I listen to this show with my kids in the car on the way to the rink. And what I love that you said is like, I take the garbage out well, right? Again, I, I'm super privileged, Mike, too. You know, we get to be around a lot of professional athletes and professional people. And the thing I notice is they do everything to that level. I mean, I've seen athletes eat competitively, <laughs> just eat, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, eat dinner competitively. So yeah. it, it's, it's an all the time thing. Uh, and, th and this has nothing to do with being competitive. I shouldn't have probably used that example. My point is, hey, if I'm taking the garbage out, I'm doing it well. If I'm cleaning my room, I'm doing it well. If I'm doing my homework, I'm doing it well. Because mm. the practice of that, of just doing it to the best of your ability, you've got to think about it. that. That cannot just be reserved for games and practices. It's an all-the-time thing. And and again, you know, Dale or Mike, from my understanding, from my watching Everybody who makes it's kind of like that for the most part. I, I don't think I've ever met a pro athlete that was just super lazy. I mean, maybe if they had the most God-given talent in the world, they could do that. But even those guys, I, I think, still work hard. Yeah, I mean, my my question is right in that same ballpark. I mean, I think, you know, you know, one of the cool things that Lee does, he does all these different podcasts and has, you know, obviously athletes, but he has professionals. And the best part is when you hear – um, athletes that end professionals or athletes that become in a, you know, a real job, you know, like that come out of, you know, not enjoying this, this world of the NHL, the Are NFL. Are you saying or, being an NHL player yeah. is not a real job, Mike? No, it's, it's a harsh, it's, it's terrible. It's so jealous. It's no, it's just not it's a real not. job. It's, it's a, you know, it's, 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 but again, it's, it's the, it's the place where if you're a top salesperson or a top right. NHL hockey player, those two things just seem to align all the time, you know, your self-confidence and, and, you know, God-given ability, whether you're a great talker or a great salesperson or you're great at plumbing, whatever it is, and grit, like overcoming adversity. So one of the things that I would want to ask you, Dale, is because and because you have and you're working with kids now, too, is in this world. And this is what I'm seeing because I work with teenagers a lot. And like, I don't even know what I would do if there was social media back when I was a young player. I really don't. I don't know how I would. I don't know how I would react i don't know how i would uh absorb it i don't know how i would you know uh kind of know the bs from the real stuff mm. you know what are some, what's some advice you could give you know from a perspective of pro, you know not growing up in a social media world and comparing yourself to somebody every single day that we could give our kids to say well this is how this is how you have to build grit and not worry about what the four kids on instagram are doing like I mean, do you experience that now as, and, and, and you probably saw it towards the end of your career, even the players coming in and that, that pressure, maybe it's good pressure. I don't know, but that pressure that, you know, you're, it's, everything's under a microscope all the time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Social media has, has, has changed a lot of things. Um, you know, from, from me, I think when I first entered the NHL, Twitter was just a thing. So Twitter was just starting to come out. And I never had, you know, I had Facebook, you talk to your buddies and stuff, but it's not like people are ripping you on Facebook. Um, so I never had to deal with that through junior in the American league. But when I got to the NHL, all of a sudden, you know, I don't even dress the game and I have 300 people telling me I'm the worst player in the league and I, <laughs> I should quit playing. And it's, I don't care who you are. It's, it's really hard if you've never dealt with that to sit there and not feel bad about yourself. Like I'm a very confident person and, and I have been from a young age and I, and I still am. 
but it takes some extremely tough skin to sit there and I don't even care if you don't know the person. This person's just harping on you and telling right. you how bad you are. And, and here you are like dying for the team too, right? That's yeah, and it's, like it's, dying it's tough. Yeah, you, There's a human element to it. it. I don't care who you are. The guy that sits there and says, well, yeah, I read my tweets and it doesn't bother me. Like you're lying. You're lying. There's a human element. It, it bothers you to some degree, regardless if you know the person or not. Um, but I think that's where, you know, everybody that's coming up now, they, they've been through that a little bit. Maybe they were the kid at 13 on their Instagram chirping the NHL guys. Then it's a little bit different story, but it's, it's difficult. I think, I don't know if it's good pressure, but I I, I do think the positive and and I like to look at the positive of everything, even in terrible situations. I think, you know, when they're, they're doing that at a young age and they're going through that, it really forces you to have tough skin. And if you're going to be, you know, whether you're, you're a high level athlete, get used to dealing with that kind of pressure of, of, you know, people telling you you're awful in the newspaper, your wife has to see it, your kid has to see on YouTube, some guy ripping you, telling you, you know, you're terrible and you're the worst player. You got to get used to that because that that's kind of the, the, the bad part of, of being, you know, NHL playing in the NHL, I don't think is a job. It's a privilege. That's the bad part of the job. Uh, that kind of yeah. Thing. I mean, nobody's was, nobody's ripping my accountant, you know, down the street. Like yeah, you know, just yeah, like oh my god, yeah. I cannot believe you didn't get this guy a refund like the other guys got. Like it's for me, point, it's just it's just a it's just a crazy world. But I think when we look at our kids that are that are not equipped without social media, mm-hmm. right? And then now, and then we, we're adults like me. Like I'm I'm pretty savvy with social media, but I'm only learning. Like my god, the depths of this. Like I don't know where. Like I don't know why somebody on their couch would tell to hell he said he's not a good player. Like, it doesn't make sense to me, but like, I think just we're, we're working with kids. And I love that. I, you know, that, that discussion that when you're talking and you're talking about grit, it could help with that grit. It could help you build that adversity to say, okay, listen, this has happened. Maybe it was a bad play. Maybe you did, did do poorly, but what are you going to do to overcome it and, and, and clear the noise out? And it's probably a whole new skill set that our, that our young athletes are learning. A hundred percent. And I think it's a huge skill set. Um, you know, be, be, let's look at the Philadelphia Flyers right now, hired a very interesting coach that, that does not make life easy on you as a player. And I, I played for him, you know, on, on two different teams that, that grit you need to have. Um, you know, I, I think coaches are getting better at communicating. I think they realize that that style of coaching is probably not the best way to go with the, the you know, the new age kids, but you got to have some grit where you're having a tough night and the coach is hammering you or you got sat for a couple of shifts and you're sitting there and he's hammering you. It's like, you know, you're, you're ter- instead of just folding the tent and sitting there and pouting and being like, yeah, I'm having a tough night that, you know, that's all it's going to be. You know, you get some grit, you, you grow some tough skin and say, okay, I'm going to show you now. And that that's the same for the guy that's chirping the internet. Maybe you're probably not going to fire back at him on Instagram. You don't need to, but let your play do your talking, go back and you prove people wrong. And that's, uh, you know, having that chip on your shoulder can be a very motivating chip that, that, that can take you a long way. You know, right. I, I'll tell both of you this. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, online. He's obviously does a lot of stuff, but, you know, a mother asked him recently, you know, what's the biggest skill I can teach my kid in this kind of digital era? And he goes, self-confidence, which is what we talked about earlier. He goes, you need to teach your kid to to be confident in themselves. So when these social media things do happen, they don't look mm-hmm. at that like that's what matters. Because Dale, you're right. Look, it, it's gonna hurt, especially if you're a teenager. Like, there's just there's no way around that. You know, I was, we always joke middle school is the worst. But the the trick is this: like, you know, are you at home teaching your kid to be self confident and understanding 
how to how to take someone's opinion of you and as you said morph it into a positive like like uh again you can let it get you down or you can let it motivate you right i think parents are really at the forefront of teaching their kids how to do that yeah that's a huge skill that that's a really big skill that comes down to mindset and and to me if you want to be a a top level athlete a professional you have to have a strong mindset that Right. 90% of what you're going to do and how successful you're going to be is going to depend on right here. I don't care how skilled you are. I don't care if you're the most skilled guy on the ice. If you don't have any kind of mental toughness or grit, it's not going to last long. You might have one good year. You might have two good years. Eventually there's going to come a time where you start, you know, these things start going down for you. Yeah. If you don't have that, 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 that kind of inner belief, that toughness that you can work through those tough things. And, and even, you know, let's, let's talk about in life too. Right. You know, whether, picking on you at school, you know, like there's, there's all those things that they, they just, you know, when you talk about high level professionals and, and athletes, they, they just blend together because if you want to be very successful in anything you do in life, you got to have mental toughness. That is the number one skill to get you through a lot of things. Yeah. And look, I always say this too: mental fitness, mental toughness. It's just like physical fitness, right? You, we, we talk about this a lot. You go to the gym, you're going to get in shape. You're going to stay in shape. You stop going to the gym. You know what happens, right? Your mind is the same way. If you do mental fitness exercises and you, we, we got to break the stigma surrounding what that is. But if you train your mind and you work on your mind on a daily basis, we talked earlier about being relentless with your training, you will be mm -hmm. mentally fit. If you stop, the the opposite will happen. It's it's not something that you just achieve. You got it and you move on with your life. You're going to be tested. And I love that you brought up skills for life because Hockey is is the greatest vehicle for our growth as people. I mean, you will learn more in a tournament week than you will in six months if you don't play about yourself and about your teammates. And um, again, we everyone said it's true. All roads lead to adult league. Does not matter who you are. At the end of the day, you can't mm -hmm. do this forever, right? So yeah. the, the skills you pick up as a parent, as a player in the game, you will apply for the rest of your life. And, and it, it, like, what's funny, um, Dale here. So I'm the youngest hockey parent on the show, right? Mike's kids are kind of in the middle of it. Uh, our other co-host Christy, who couldn't be here today, her kids in D one college, uh, my kids a might. <laughs> so, so I'm just starting out, but I'm amazed at how much I've had to apply grit to being a hockey dad. And that's where I want to turn this real quick. Cause you're a great father. We, and we, we've spoken to several former NHL players who are now dads and some of them describe watching and coaching their kids to be more stressful than actually having played in the NHL. So I wanted to know where, where are you on that chart? Uh, let's talk about you as a hockey dad for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I think I would be on the side that I, I really just enjoy watching my guys play. Um, I, I'm, I'm not the, the dad that's really, you know, yelling and screaming. Um, yeah, we all I know just that think, guy, by the way. We all know that guy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and you know, teach their own. But I, I just enjoy watching them play. I, I know my, my oldest son, um, you know, at five and six and stuff, he, he didn't really enjoy playing. And, and I never pushed him into it. I, you know, if, if, if you want to do something, you do it. If not, hey, I'm happy to – you want to go try a different sport or you want to do this. And uh, the last couple of years, he's really gotten into it. And, I, and it's it's made me exciting. So I, I love going out there and, and, and watching him. And then I'm coaching him now. Um I just, I, I think it's cool. I, I remember the times, you know, that, that they're most memorable to me were literally the car rides with my dad and, and just spending that time together. So I, I feel that, uh, that kind of bond with my son now, just the one-on-one, the -on -one, you know, we have four kids. So 
the one-on-one time driving to the rink and, and just being with him is uh is really enjoyable for me right now no that's think, fantastic do, yeah do, do you think do you think it's less or more and I, i've always i've tried to ask uh different like you know players in that sport like if you're watching your kids play soccer or they're in the band or they're doing something theater like is it is it the same stress no matter what right because you're you're watching your child do something that whether you're you were proficient at it or not is really irrelevant. Like I think a lot of us see this correlation that well I'm a hockey guy so my kid must be a you know destined to be a hockey person. Like and I just think that's so it's so hard for a parent to 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 separate yourself from the your children from the point of view of they actually have their own life and destiny you know and i think and you probably see that at the rink every day right you're watching a guy like you're screaming and yelling at your kid about back checking i don't think you've even you know i don't think think you've seen a hamburger you haven't liked you know what i mean so yeah. i think it's like you know where you know where, where where do you fall like in that piece of it? like if you were giving advice uh you know from your from your own experience and even you know obviously from what your parents uh provided to you like where is that line of like this is listen this is this is how i deal with the fact that this is their life because it's, it's it, that's a learned skill too, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think that's a really good point. And I think that's a really good teaching lesson for a lot of people. Um, and, I, and I have a lot of dads that come up and ask me like, oh, do you, you want your son to go to the NHL? Do you want this? And it's like, you know, to be honest with you, probably not. Do, do I want him to be living the ups and downs every single day for eight months for, for 20 years? Like, no, I don't. I, I'd rather him go have the grind for a nine to five. He can shut his, he can shut his mind off. He's at home. He doesn't miss holidays. Like you don't miss Christmas. You, there's just so many things that go into to being a professional athlete that are not enjoyable. They're not fun. You miss a lot of things. So it's not the end all be all. I don't, I don't care how much money you make. Money means nothing. Um, and, and I have a lot of experiences throughout my career where, where it doesn't matter how much, like it doesn't matter. Um, you know, so it's, do you really, if your kid is really passionate about it, then I think it's awesome and support him and be there for him and give him every resource that you can. But if he's not the most passionate about it and he, you know, he's kind of, he just likes to be out there with his buddies, which is, which is my older guy. He just wants to be with his friends and hang out. Yeah. I don't know if he truly has a passion for it. So I'm going to, I'm going to make sure he works hard because he's made a commitment. And when you make a commitment in life, you see it through. Um, but I, but I'm not there screaming and, and, and doing it. I think, that fine line is you can see if your kid has the passion for it. If they don't have the passion, you can't have it for them. Like it's not going to last very long. He's going to play two more years and say, yeah, dad, mom, this isn't for me. So you, you really got to read the room, which I love that line, read the room and, and make sure your kid has the passion for it. Then if it is support him, get behind him, do the best you can to, to give him the most resources that you're, you're able to. But at the end of the day, which I think is so cool as a parent, seeing different personalities, being a coach now, I see different kids and different personalities. They're, they're, they're going to be what they're going to be. And no matter how much you try to shape and mold them, at the end of the day, they're going to make that decision. And that's, uh, I think, which is so cool about watching kids grow up. Yeah, you know, Dale, you're bringing up another element here that I want to touch on, which is, you know, everybody that we've talked to at the top has said they lo- these people love the game more than anybody else. Like there is a clear passion amongst NHL players and coaches of how much they love the game. And the reason I'm bringing that up is this, and I think you said it perfectly, your kid might not have that. And that's, that's gotta be okay. Right. You you can't force them into something they don't love. You want to find what they love, you know, and I'll I'll tell you some, some of the struggles with my own hockey parent of them. If I call it that is, you know, like, look, 
I had a really clear understanding. At least I thought I did. You'll, you'll like the story. When I came into this with my son, my daughter's going to pick it up soon too. I can tell just from her, but you know, hockey's my thing, right? Like it's always been my thing and I don't want them to feel like it has to be their thing. My attitude with my kids was if you want it, I'll, I'll give you every resource you could possibly want, but, but you got to want it. You got to love it. So mm-hmm. a lot of my journey has been spent on just making sure my kids kind of enjoy hockey. And I've wrestled with that with my 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 oldest, my son of, I can't tell, right? He's seven to eight. Again, we're going through a pandemic. There's a lot going on in the world. Um, I yeah. always say this. I'm so thankful to be a host on this show because because Mike and Christy, like, they're like my therapists with this. But <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you something that that recently has changed. And, and I'm trying to share my journey with people um, who might be f- feeling similar ways. But, you know, I was pretty involved as a coach last year because of the pandemic. Right. Because we didn't know what was going to go on. And, and you know, he kind of wanted me out there. And this year, I really I really said I'm going to step back and not be out there. Well, you know, what's funny about this. Um, the other night I got a call from a, another hockey parent saying, hey, we need another. Does your kid want to play in this tournament? And I just I figured he was going to say no. And I go downstairs. I say, hey, Logan, you want to play? And to my shock. And remember, I haven't been around that much this year. He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And I was like, yeah. really? <laughs> so he goes out there and I wasn't there. And and he scores his first hat trick. I mean, he, he did really well. And this nice. is what I'm going to say with this. Like, I have a decision to make as a parent here. I can let my ego get in here and be like, oh, I missed that. And I just move my ego aside. I was so happy for him. I was so happy that he enjoyed his time on the ice with his friends. He scored his first hat trick. He was so excited when he came home, right? Me being there wasn't a thing for him. That was a thing for me, right? And and I really, I didn't have any moment of, oh, I, oh, I screwed up by not being there. It was like, how great is this? He's falling in love with the game. I can see it. And my and his his, his little sister is like, I want to play. So it's one of those things of me not being there. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not planning on being absent or anything like that. But but the situation just kind of dictated I couldn't be there. And he's figuring it out himself. And I'm actually even wondering now, not too critically, but like, wow, I wonder if maybe I was putting a little pressure on him or my 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 presence there because because he knows what I do right? Mm-hmm. Was putting pressure on him. So these are like the reflective questions I ask myself without any judgment. Um, and again, it's a win-win, right? Like he just loved playing and he's saying, I can do it. And he's got that confidence you're talking about. And as a parent, I didn't need to be there hovering over him, <laughs> telling him to be confident. He did this on his own. Kids are resilient. So again, again, that was a little bit of a long story, but you just reminded me of that. And I always like to make myself a little vulnerable here of here I am, this this hockey person. That's how everybody knows me. He didn't need that. He didn't need he just need to go out and enjoy the game. And he was having a great time. Right. Mm-hmm. I just parents need to, myself included, just got to remind ourselves that something. They're kids. They're playing a game. You know? I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that's a skill. I think that's a skill as as a father to be able to do that. Cause, you know, I I see it a lot at the rink where, you know, the kid comes out and has three goals and all of a sudden the light comes on. It's like, wow, my son's really good. Maybe he is really good. Maybe he can make it. And very quickly it turns in the parent's mindset and I can see it. And it's like, Whoa, just pump the brakes. He's enjoying (laughs) it. He's having fun out there, but it's, it's, and then, and I understand it from a, from a father's standpoint, like my dad was the biggest hockey fan growing up. So, you know, his passion obviously became mine. Every son looks at their father. Your, your dad's a hero. You want to be like him. You like the same team as him. You like the same players. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard sometimes as a father because, you know, now you're thinking like, well, I'm, am I doing enough for him? Where, where sometimes, and I have those inner questions too. It's like, am I doing enough for him? Can I push him harder? And, and you know, it's kind of like what we just said is, 
it's almost better sometimes to take a step back and just, you know, just be his father, be a parent and, and just support him. Right. And, and, and it, like I'm con- con- constantly having to remind myself my age versus his age. He, he's not in a position. He's going to think like an adult about anything. <laughs> and I think as, <laughs> as, as parents, we do, well, you know, hard work's important, but it's like, look to an eight-year-old, what does that actually mean? It means yeah. if I do the hard work, I'll get my Nintendo. Right. But, yeah. but you, you can teach these things, but like, I'm always appreciative when someone comes up to me, and goes, he's eight, he's eight, he's not 38, you know, like, it's just, yeah, he's eight. Hard. Um, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Mike Benelli. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. Mike, you're a wonderful <laughs> person. Dad, I love you. If you're listening to this, I'm so proud to be your son, but you're right. You know, they're always watching, right? Dale and, and, and mom and dad, right. And, and yeah. how you act really is probably more important than what you say. Um, mm-hmm when it gets back to that sorry mike did you have something i, I keep cutting you no, off no 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 but you're absolutely right no because like like i dread like if my son came home like oh you know i really love basketball I'm like oh like, really? <laughs> like i i can't get behind that I, you yeah. know i just i'll you tell know, you but but, yeah. but but no but you know it's just like well, like like that like like a running joke in our house that you know there's no goalies allowed like you cannot play goalie well i really i'm passionate about it well you're not playing so you're not allowed to be a goalie. You know I mean, so, so I, you know, I don't care what you like, but I, mean, I think there's, but there is a little, like there's, there's that piece of, you know, I, I am struggling with this, not from me personally so much, but even, even a lot of the people I work with is that, that the world has changed so much for these kids that if we just step back as parents and do nothing and say, let passion take the kid where they want to go. There's way more distractions now for a kid to be passionless, like to not find passion. That's a great point, Mike. Because yeah. it's, it, because, because they're, they're, they're just, they're, there's too many tools to allow them to be in their room alone, be on a phone all day, be in a, a computer. It's just, there's a lot of things that like I found passion because I was so bored out of my mind that I ran outside and shot pucks and, yeah, and, that and so, sounds familiar. you know, dug holes and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, but people, but kids just, you know, and that's not everywhere. I mean, we're probably, in a, in a, you know, I'm in the Northeast. So it's, it's probably maybe, you know, it's, I'm sure it's different in different areas. But for, for the people I work with and the people I'm dealing with, there's, there is a line between am I pushing or am I guiding? Am I giving right. opportunity? It's hard. Or am, man. I just, am I just put, throwing my yeah, hands I'm... up saying, hey, if they find it, they find it. And I don't think, I think there's many kids that won't find it because it's just like anything else. If there's no access to it, you can't yeah. find the passion. And, and I don't know. It's a, it's so, you know, when we're, when we're speaking and we've on this podcast, which has been great that we've gotten so much feedback, like we get a lot of emails and we get a lot of text messages and they're like, well, this is what's happening to me. I'm like, yeah, that's what's happening to me. <laughs> like that's exactly what's happening to me. Like, and I think that's where, you know, we love talking to people like you because you went, you, you, you made it to the highest level in a sport, but you also understand the work that had to go into that. And, but, but think about like when you were 12 years old, if there was a whole bunch of other stuff, yeah, could you have gotten there without a little push, a little guidance? Cause kids are kids. Like Lee just, you know, he just, he's reminding me like an eight year old is an eight year old. If, <laughs> if you give him a chance to most eight year olds to sit and play Fortnite for eight hours, they will. Right. Yeah. You know, if you they, tell they them have. They, chocolate they, cake they do. Every day, yeah. They will. Yeah. Like, so what, where, where is that? I'm just wondering, like, in a, in probably just open question, like, where is that, like, that line, and where is that line between pushing, guiding, and and being, oh my God, we've got to put this kid in seven different clinics because he's got to catch up. 
Yeah, I absolutely love the way that you phrased that and, and, and spoke on that. Like, I think that is so good. And I think that is that is like so many people need to hear that because there is, I feel like the half where like, okay, I'm going to push. And then you have the other half where like, well, I'm just going to kind of let, and, and you can't, like you said, like my son will sit in his room for eight hours and play Fortnite a hundred percent if I let him. So, yes. you know, and again, they're, they're, they're kids. So they really don't know what they like until they do it. But if you never give them the opportunity to, they won't know. So that's why I love like trying different sports, whether hockey's not your thing. Like if you're going to go play basketball, go play like, yeah, well, whatever it is, like, yeah, be, be, be. And I, I think, I think the, the the underlying theme though is when you do it. If you're going to be playing Fortnite for four hours, make sure yeah. you're good. Like, yeah. make, like actually, you know, <laughs> beat, well. you know, beat everyone. You know, let me. And then, you know, my joke when I do coaching clinics is like, you want you get the kids off Fortnite, play with them, like hound them, say, no, no, do this, do this, and use this, and and then they're like, oh my god, dad, you're. The you know, Mike, that was that was get one of the best me. suggestions a friend gave me. It was you too, but but my, my kid was playing games quite a bit. To, it was an uncomfortable amount for me and someone said play with them and yeah. and watch what happens right it, you'll either stop really quick or you'll have the time of your life either way yeah. you're gonna win um yeah. but, i'm there uh, two in the morning playing you know call of duty i'm like you know what right. the hell yeah this war <laughs> this war already happened why it are we doing it cool, yeah but i like I'll, I'll tell you this too my father this was a pearl of wisdom he gave me when i was a kid and actually this was for leadership but i'm applying it to parenting more now than i do leadership but he always talked about a horse and the reins of a horse. And he goes, if you pull on the reins too much, too hard, the, the horse is going to kick off and, and, and throw you off. And if you just don't hold them at all, the horse is going to go wherever it feels like, and you're not going to get to where you need to be. But he goes, if you hold them just right, and that, that's a feeling and it's a constant thing, you got to know how much tension to give, the horse will go where you want it to go. And, and again, I'm not saying our kids are horses, but, but that, that analogy really works. Like you got to know when to do it, when not like an example in my house. Um, anyway, I'm just sharing this. Like everybody does parenting. I always say there's no perfect parents, but like my son is, is pretty good at reading. So we make sure that every night he's reading a biography, you know, one of those kids biographies, but about someone famous or someone who's accomplished something, we've put that as part of our day. And I don't care if he wants to do it or not, he's going to do it because that's, that's me being a parent saying, no, you're going to learn about other people and the mistakes they've made and the successes they've had mm -hmm. 20 minutes mm -hmm. a day. And then you can earn your video game. Right. Um, and then the other thing too is, and this is one that's been recently my daughter who's, who just turned six has been asking me a lot. You guys will relate to this, but I've been getting a lot. Hey, can I be this when I grow up? Can I be that when I grow up? And, and some of them are absurd. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I tell <laughs> her? I don't, I don't tell her no, because I, I, I can't stand when, when anyone tells a kid, don't follow your dream. I, I just, that, that pisses me off to no extent. But what I tell her is you can do whatever you want. As long as you work hard, you put the time in and you educate yourself. That's always my message. Whatever you want to be, be it. But like, that's the kind of seed that I'm planting of like, yeah, you can be a YouTube star or a ballerina or whatever, but you got to work hard to get it. Cause it's not guaranteed. I don't think personally that message has been getting out there enough. It's yeah, you can be whatever you want. And that's where it ends. That is not how it works. Uh, you know, it's never been how it's worked, right? If you want it, you're going to have to work. And there's really no guarantee. The gift is you can pursue it. That that has not always been true in the human experience. Yeah. <laughs> you got to put the work in. You've got you've to love it. And if you don't get this, that's okay too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, again, Dale, we hear a lot of parents, you know, the kids are 18 and they've put in a large amount of money into this kid's hockey career 
And at 18, the kid goes, you know what? I'm burnt and I don't want to play anymore. And the parents are devastated for multiple reasons, right? They Money is probably the lowest on the on the thing. But, you know, here they are. They put in the time. They put in the, all the stuff. And the kid doesn't want to do it anymore. And you got to be okay with that. You know, you got to be okay with that. What, I'm going to throw it to you. I, I said a lot here. But I want to throw it to you just to get your general thoughts on this stuff. Um. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I've seen a lot of limiting beliefs in people passed on from their parents. Um, and it's 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 really quite sad because I, I'm under the same impression as you. When I was three years old, I said I was going to play in the NHL. I told my dad I was going to play in the NHL. And, you know, he never told me no. And I ended up doing I had a lot of people on the way told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, sure. But but. You know, you, you need that small core of people in your corner, regardless of what you want to do. They I mean, want to be. You had people when you were there telling you you couldn't do it. <laughs> Always, sorry, you know. Go back to what we said never, earlier. It, yeah. it never ended, but it can't. It can't be your parents. They, they need. They right. need to be. You know, those are the people that need to be. You know, telling you, yeah, you know, you need to work hard, and also, you know, a little bit of a realist, like it might not happen. You might fail at it, but at least right. you're going to go down swinging. And yeah, I think right. that's. Right. The message that I, I like to share, um, you know, my, my daughter is, uh, well, she's turned seven and she, you know, I had her playing all these different things and, and she loved it and she likes to try some new things, but it takes a while to get her into it. She doesn't want to do it. And then she gets out there and loves it. Um, cause she, she hates failing. She's in school. Like her teacher was like, you know, she won't even give me an answer cause she's so afraid to have the wrong answer. And I'm like, as apparently what, what was I doing wrong? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe it was me, maybe it wasn't, but I think I've really been been proactive, whether it's my oldest guy, my, my youngest, whatever, um, letting them know it's okay to fail at things and not be good at things. Totally. And I think that's a that's a belief that needs to be passed on from the parents. Well, that, that's that that's that transitionary period. Like I think that's all kids, right? The transition from going from this to that. It's like even going to church, right? You got to get ready. Let's go. you got to get up. Like they, then you're getting in the car. And then they're there and like, oh, they, get, they had a great time or you're yeah. going to grandma's house or going to dinner. Like that transitionary period for any, you know, adolescent is like the biggest. That's, that's what we all End fight about world. as parents. Like, not just I, adolescents. Going, I can't have the only kids that are like this. And everybody's, oh, no, my kid's like that, too. You know, yeah. so it's like, but I, can I ask one question, Dale? Because I, I think I like this idea of transition because I work with a lot of uh, a lot of pros that when they retire, uh, they get into coaching. And one of the things I do for my my other background, my my coaching education world is working with ex-pro athletes to kind of transition into being coaches. And uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of like, you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize the coaches did all this. So maybe, you know, maybe you could talk about a little bit like from when you played and I always look at it as like, as a player, you had trainers, you had nutritionists, you had schedulers, you had a travel coordinator, you had, you know, all the, you know, your world has was scheduled for you for the most part. Um, like where have you, where do you, have you seen getting into the youth coaching world are like the biggest things that you were prepared for and some of the things you weren't prepared for? Yeah. I, I love the way you speak on scheduling. Cause you know, you, since I was 17 years old, you live with your billet family playing junior, everything is scheduled for you. you you're, everything is, you know, be here on this time, be here this time. You know, you get into pro be here this time. The bus is leaving this time, this, and then, you know, not playing anymore. It's like, I don't really have a schedule and I kind of lose myself a little bit. So I can see on, on X players, I could see how that becomes a little bit of an issue. Um, on the youth side to me, um, you know, what I think communicating with, with, with kids, I think I find is a problem where I'm saying it as clear as I can say it. And they're still looking at me like I'm crazy and I have three heads and, 
and I can demo it and they'll still go do it wrong. And I can demo it again and there's still someone that does it wrong. So I think uh, for me, the, the biggest challenge has been just, I think my communication skills, um, trying to be clear with them, telling them what I would like them to do, tell them what I want them to do. Uh, it's, 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 it's been difficult. <laughs> you know, yeah, you I, know, I, try, I use the example a little bit. Sorry, Lee. I just, no, I just want to it, tell Mike. the one story just cause I, I use, I used to use the example like a couple of years ago. I, I coached, uh, with Colt Noor with the Connecticut whale for a little bit. And the Whitney's women professional athletes were, they literally were over the top with their skill level. And then I coached a, a peewee boys team, a 12 U boys team. And I would try <laughs> to do the same drills uh, with the group and the, and the, the women's group, I would do the drill and they're like, okay, well, I got to change the drill in five minutes. Cause they were just boom, boom, boom. They understood it. They, I, you know, they, they, they were, they were out thinking any of the skill or the drill we were trying to do with the game. And then I'd have these 12 year old boys. I'm like, these kids are idiots. Like they can't, like, is it me? Like, like I explain it the exact same way. And I think that's the same thing. Like when you're a professional athlete and a coach is asking you to do something, you're, you're most, you're at a level where you can inject all these great things. Right. But then when you're working with eight-year-olds, it's the, the, yeah. the, there's gaps like in so, there, you know, they, they don't, that doesn't exist for them. Mike, let me, let me dive in here. Dale, you'll like this story too. So, you know, look in hockey, there, there's a point you get enough muscle memory that you can just learn things very quickly. And I would say when I coach pro or, or I'm working with pro athletes, I expect them to get what I'm doing really one or two tries. They should have it down. And that's typically you know, sometimes it's less than one, Mike, to your point. Like they just get it. Yeah. But I remember, I remember the moment specifically with my, my, my son's eight U team, when it clicked in my head, it's going to take them 20 times to figure this out before they're <laughs> going to have any idea. And I remember thinking, man, that's a lot. But what, but when I, when I kind of yeah. understood that and accepted that it changed how I approached practice quite a bit. In fact, I made the suggestion, which, which we took of let's do less drills and explain them better then say, oh, we got to get this, these six drills done in this 45 minutes. Let's do four drills well instead of six drills, just kind of like it's a playground. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I said, and I'm going to take the extra two minutes on the ice, which is I'm always against doing at the higher levels. I don't want to waste any of my ice time, but I'm going to take the two minutes on the ice to show them on the board and explain it to them correctly. So they'll do it. But but I'm going to tell you, man, I was frustrated for a long time before I realized it's 20 times. It's going to take half the season for them to understand how to make a good pass. Oh my God. I, that, was a, that, was a, that was kind of eye opening to me. It was painful yeah. to say the least. Well, I was, I was in an old, like back in the day, Bill Parcells used to do a coaching clinic. Um, and, you know, I used to go to in New Jersey and he'd have like this all, you know, 300 people. And he would, and one of the things that resonated with me as a young coach, when he gave this clinic, he was still coaching is one of the things that resonated with me is the is the ability to say, well, if I'm running something that my athletes don't get after three times, then it's my problem. Like I'm doing it wrong. Like I'm explaining something or I'm right. putting something they're not ready for. So you got to You got to You know, it was, it was and he used to laugh because except if it was LT, he would do stuff that nobody knew what the hell he was doing and he would right. do it great. Right. So so I was like, I always try to use that when I'm thinking about my 10 U and 8 U kids like, OK, if I put something in there that's stumping them then that's on me. And I think that's at the end of the day, like we, we do that with our, with our, we expect our teachers, right. Our teachers aren't, they're not there to fail our kids. They're there mm -hmm. to teach them. Right. They're like, right. You, you don't get a pleasure. Um, there's no teacher that gets pleasure. at the end of the year. Well, I failed 40% of the class. I did my job. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, so, and I think that's, what we have to look at as coaches. We have to say, well, how did, how did all of my kids move on to the next level and move up in their development 
Right. And I didn't fail anybody. To me, failing is like they quit or they yeah, or they yeah. made the B team or whatever. But yeah, but what yeah. what can I do and what did I what, how did I position? So I think to your point, Dale, like sometimes when you're looking at the kids and you're like, okay, I I'm not I don't have to dumb it down. I just have to make a drill that is age appropriate and then they can understand. Even though like you know, and Leeds said it earlier, right? Like I understand it, but I'm 50 years old, right? You know, so so it's like, you know, why don't you understand it? What's wrong with you? I go, what's wrong with you is me. Yeah. Uh, So it's, but it's a hard, it's a hard ego to, you know, it's hard not to, not to joystick those. You got to take that ego out. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Very hard. Um, So Dale, one more, one more thing. And then I actually want to dive back into your NHL career real quick, but we were talking earlier about failure. Um, and like, you know, you have to kind of eliminate the fear of failing and that's hard, but you know, one, one quote I've been telling my kids and I, I say this when I speak now is, uh, the most successful people in the world have failed more than anyone else. Yeah. Right. And I, I love that quote because it just shows you like, you've got to do it. You got to learn how to fail eloquently and you got to mm-hmm. learn how to fail and learn. Uh, and look, I always say this too, the whole game of hockey, the whole game is built on capitalizing on other people's mistakes. Like that's the whole game. So, so there's not another teacher out there better than hockey. I think of how to fail the right way. I mean, again, there's never been a perfect game played. It's never happened. Right. You know, you're going to fail. So I just love that quote. You know, the most successful people have failed more than anybody else. And I always kind of keep that in mind anytime I'm having a rough day. Um, (laughs) I failed a lot the last couple of days. Well, not with that (laughs) hair. hair. You can't fail with a head of hair like that. No, no, no. I got a good barber, Sammy. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Dale, I got I got two more questions for you. Uh, one one is I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about your first game, uh, New York Rangers, <laughs> right? Uh, you come up, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had a pretty big tilt that night with uh, Dan Carcillo, the Flyers, right? Who who's yep. who's a tough? It was at that time a very fan favorite, tough guy in Philly. Uh-huh. So I, this is how I want to walk through this, just based on what we talked about, because you talked about your coming up through the ranks, being a talented player, right? And here you are in your first game in a, in a, what was an Atlantic division rival game. And that's, that's kind of how you're thrown into it. Can, can, can you describe that kind of the feelings of playing in your first game? And like, I'm not trying to just focus on the fight, but just, just in general. And, yeah, and was, being in the garden. I mean, what, I mean, you're yeah. going to fight, fight in the garden. <laughs> All I knew is uh, it was my first game. I was going to find somebody like, <laughs> I knew the day before when I got called up, I knew we were playing Philly. Uh, I, I got called we practiced uh, in Hartford. Uh, I was in Hartford at the time. We practiced, you know, we were finished by noon. Uh, they told me after practice, hey, you're playing in Philly tomorrow at 12, whatever, you know, pack your bags or get a call, hop on a flight, whatever it was. And um, so it was quick turnarounds, which was great. I didn't have all day to think about it. By the time I caught the flight, I got into Philly late, 9, 10 o'clock. I went into the room, uh, fell asleep, and then boom, you wake up, you have breakfast, go to the rink. So uh, it was kind of a whirlwind. And, um, you know, I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, okay, obviously I've been following the league forever. I know like Dan Carcello led the league in playing this, you know, the year before. So I, I need to make a name for myself. I'm coming up. John Tortorella is the coach. I'm going to make a name for myself. So, uh, you know, I asked him in warm up. We're skating around. I'm like, hey, it's my first game. You got to give me one tonight. And he's like, ah, beat it. I don't even know who you are. I was like, okay, well, he's not going to fight me. So maybe I got to find a way to force him to and like, and I'm running around all game and I'm trying to get him to fight me, trying to get him to fight me. He won't do it. He's like, ah, first game. I don't need to fight you. I said, okay, whatever. And it was like four minutes left. And I absolutely beelined somebody, uh, almost like flipped into the flyers bench and everything. At that point we were losing four one. Uh, he had no choice. He had to fight me. I knew he was on the ice. It's five minutes left. So he came over and, 
and fought. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, we, I had him on a, a podcast I did last year and we laugh about it and stuff. So it was really cool. And I got on Don Cherry on Saturday night, which as a Canadian kid was like the end all be all for me. So it was uh, just such a cool memory. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny. We talked about this before the show, how much the game's changed, right? Uh, uh, since that time, but like, you know, I remember that. <laughs> and then, and then you ended up in Philadelphia, uh, for a while too. Mm-hmm. We, I, I said to you before, I appreciated your time here. Um, before you bounce around, Mike, did you have something? I'm sorry. No, I don't know if the game's changed that much. We'll see in game one of this year's Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> right. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Coach Tortorella behind the bench. You might, you might need to go down and do a little pep talk, Dale. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'm sure he's going to say a lot of the same things. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it has changed in that standpoint where I don't care how skilled you are. You're getting called up. You're starting on the fourth line. You got to do something to stand out. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, now a guy gets called up. He's he's getting put on the second line. He's a skilled guy. It's it's changed that way. But I think uh, I think Torts is going to change uh, how things work there, at least for a little bit to start. Well, I'll tell you this. Our, our producer, Caitlin, who, who takes photos professionally, I, uh, was at the Flyers practice the other day, and she got this great photo of him while they're they're being bag skated, just smiling ear to ear in the, in, in, in the, the Torts way. And I, I just posted that. I wrote, when you love your job. Because <laughs> the, like the, he he's a guy who understands uh, the importance of identity from from my from my take and and he's going to build some in in the uh, Flyers organization who do desperately need it. Um, all right, last mm-hmm. question for me though. I got to ask this. Anytime I do an intro and I get to say something like the Dutch Gretzky, I I gotta I gotta ask about it because uh, you, you played overseas. I, I know it was during the lockout in the Netherlands. You played in their top level, uh, and you had some prolific numbers there in about twenty games, but. What, talk a little bit about international hockey, because I, I, I don't think, in my opinion, a lot of American fans understand how, how large this game is outside of the, the NHL. And then talk to me about, about that moniker that you earned. Yeah, um, it is crazy. It's a completely different world over there. Like these leagues have some great funding. Um, the crazy thing is, is, you know, the Netherlands is not a well-known league. The team I was at, probably you know had had bigger funding than the the swedish league team that i played on last year so it's some of these teams have huge sponsors they got big budgets um and they just love their hockey they're passionate it's a different different vibe you know you're in arenas that have five thousand fans or seven thousand they're on top of you it's loud it's like you know it's like minor it's like a minor hockey setup you know it's it really and and you know I, i had the time of my life during the lockout I didn't think I was going to be there long. I literally went, I thought I was going to play two weeks, ended up staying there three months. Um, and I had the time of my life. It's just, it's such a cool atmosphere, the way they chant all game and play drums. And like, it's like <laughs> soccer. Anybody that, that hasn't seen European hockey watch, you know, European soccer. And it's like that just on a smaller scale. I, I'll tell you this, just, just backing you up here. So again, I coached in England for a while. Yeah. It is a total soccer atmosphere. But these yeah. fans are just as passionate as anywhere else. In some ways, more because you, know, you really get to know the players when you're in a kind of a small market team, if you want to say that. And again, these leagues are not run like the NHL where there's revenue sharing and, you know, CBAs. Like these, these teams kind of have to fend for themselves as clubs. And then uh, here's another one for you. I, I most recently coached uh, down in Miami, coaching uh, the Puerto Rican national men's team uh, who, won a, who won a gold medal at this event. And, and uh, Mike, I haven't told you this one. We're playing in Mexico. And and there is a a full mariachi band in the stands, dressed like playing 
mariachi music and then they went in the locker room thinking like this is amazing this is awesome <laughs> right so like you just you just never know what you're gonna see um but i wanted to bring it up quickly because i think that more parents and i'm talking to kind of the kids now that are in that kind of 16 to 18 or junior area don't don't yeah. write off looking overseas um it, it, first off you're gonna have an amazing experience no matter what all right just culturally number one but the hockey is probably better than you think um and I, like i know players who've played overseas that you know met their wives overseas and they've had family some of them stayed so i just want to say you know even if the nhl is your goal nothing wrong with that but don't write off the rest of the world because there's hockey played everywhere. And I'm so thankful for my time with these teams. And, and I'm sure you, as you said, you are too. Yeah, that, that's something I, I think that's a really good point for anyone that's listening to the show right now that that is in that age. I, I definitely wouldn't write it off. You can make a tremendous living over there. That was something that really <laughs> surprised me. Um, let's, you know, just financial for a second here. You can make a really good living there. And, you know, you're, you're not paying the tax that you would in the States and there's some different ways around it. And, and you can make a really good living and you can play a long time there. Um, you know, there's so many different leagues, like you can play a a good American league hockey league player who, who, you know, maybe by the time he hits 30, he's probably done can go to Europe and play there until 40. It's it's less taxing on your body. You don't play as many games. And be a star and be a hero in some of these small towns. Like you said, they're so passionate about their teams and you know, there's, there, there's no sharing. So you do a lot of fundraising events. So the fans get to interact with the players a million times more than you do in the NHL. You, you get to know, but you just, you're more involved and it's, it's a really cool experience for anyone that gets the opportunity. I, I, I wouldn't turn it down or, or looking at as, you know, well, I didn't make the NHL. Now I have to go to Europe. I, I think it's a really good option for a lot of people. And if, if people are on the fence, I, I definitely, you know, it's one of those things you got to try. Yeah, man. Hockey is hockey. And, and I'll tell you, it, it, that experience alone is probably worth it. Uh, but Dale, I got to be honest with you, this was a fantastic conversation today. I loved every minute of this. And uh, I really appreciate you giving us the time uh, with four kids, much less your hockey side of things. Four, four kids, you gave us all this time today. I appreciate that. Hey, this is awesome, guys. Uh, uh, it's it's something I'm really passionate about, obviously, now coaching and uh, and just being around hockey parents. I love talking hockey and, and just kind of sharing my experience because, you know, to, to anyone that's out listening, you know, I, I was a perfect uh, example of a kid that you would have saw me at any age and you would have said, I, I'll never play in the NHL and uh, and ended up having a great career. So never as, as a parent think your kid can't make it uh, and as a kid never think that you can't because – it's never over regardless you're 25, 26, 27, 18, 16. It's never over for you. And, uh, you know, it's never over till you say it's all over. Well, that's a great way to end this. I'll give you the final note on that and just close it out. But Dale Weiss, fantastic episode. Again, if, uh, if you've got questions for him, you want to send to us, email us team at our kids or any other questions you, you, you all don't hesitate. So feel free. That's how you get in contact with us. And remember, uh, Every episode we've ever done can be found on uh, OurKidsPlayHockey.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. Uh, this audience has put us in the top 10. I, I'm still weirded out by saying that. Uh, and, and, and again, having great guests like you, Dale, uh, helps affirm what we're trying to do here. So once again, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah, it was. So for Mike Benelli, I'm Lee Elias. Again, thanks for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Uh, check us out. Share it in your team snap. Let all your friends know. Give us that five-star review wherever you're listening. 
uh, and continue to listen. We'll see you next week on Our Kids Play Hockey. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.